Well, I've been on a bit of a journey over the last several months talking with Ben Erickson. Ben has written a series of six interviews on Catholic World Report on Walking with Generation Z. Now, we have covered this past articles to understand this loneliest generation, their distrust of institutions, well, their religious complexity, and what steps can be taken toward their flourishing and then reaching them with relational authority. But I believe Ben, well, he has saved the most important for the end, how to dialogue with Gen Z. And Ben is joining me this morning to close out our discussion in this series. Good morning, Ben. Thank you for joining us once again. Yes, thank you for having me, Brenda. It's good to be here again. Ben, let's start by addressing how we communicate. Now, I have learned in raising four Gen Zers, I may call them on their cell phone and I may or may not get connected with them. But if I send them a text, I'll often get a quick response. And even if they go to pick up a friend, let's say, they'll first text their friend to let them know they're there rather than go up and ring the doorbell to have a conversation maybe with a parent. Even at work, we say, you know what, can you send me an email on that? rather than let's have the conversation over the phone. So do you think as a society, and maybe especially for these Gen Zers, are we losing old ways of conversation? I think you're exactly right. I think that um, there's still conversations being had. I mean, we're social creatures, so we want to communicate, we want to engage with each other, but obviously the mode of communication is changing, as you've noted. Um, A lot of it is over text, over emails, and not I'm hearing somebody's voice or let alone in-person conversations. And a lot of people have made that note. And obviously there's a lot of societal impacts that that has, but especially for these younger generations, they're losing the more personal conversations, the more personal aspect of this. And a lot of times that's, Uh, People have noted that some of these younger generations are, um, it's harder to have a conversation about meaningful topics and and said it's more trivial, which is always harder with younger people because they're more concerned about the things that are passing. But when you start to distance yourself by texting and emails, um, and it makes it harder to have those more personal conversations. So I think you're, you're right on track with that. Well, Ben, your goal in this series is to address the difficulties this generation is experiencing and then use those difficulties to understand them so that way we can get to their point of view and then we can take the steps to really help them flourish. Now, we have to set the stage to start this conversation. Do we wait for them to maybe show an interest or throw out maybe just a little side comment to begin that? Or can we lean in a little bit as authorities in their lives to say, you know what, we we need to enter into this discussion? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think we should always be ready for those conversations. I, I know from personal experience sometimes that um, these conversations come up when you least expect them. You know, sure. you know, I remember working a landscaping job and all of a sudden one of my you know, co-workers asked me a question about Catholicism and you kind of have to be ready on the spot to, to have these conversations when they um, occur and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in those moments. But um, that doesn't mean that we should just be passive either. Obviously we should go out and try to encourage these conversations, but in some way where it doesn't come off as that, you know, you're just being an awkward adult, uh, adult or, you know, some kind of like creepy person. Um, so just, you know, kind of set the stage to encourage those conversations. You know, we can foster wonder, um, um, by giving 
people and experience of beauty, young people, this experience of beauty. So um, if you have a, a child or um, even a student or you're in a youth group, you know, encouraging them to watch um, a really inspiring movie or an artistic movie, um, reading an insightful book, um, walking them through a beautiful church or even going into nature. So kind of that experience of beauty encourages that wonder and stepping out and, and it kind of sets the stage for a more authentic communication. Um, two other ways to kind of set the stage is, you know, find the right environment, you know, to, to kind of reach out for them is, you know, maybe it's not so much a question that you have to do, or, but just maybe doing it. I, I think of when I was a kid, for example, um, having the right environment was important. You don't have to have a sit down conversation. It could be um, you realize your kid really opens up when you shoot hoops or when you're on a drive, or uh, maybe it's, you know, going to a park or whatever it may be is trying to find those places where the youth are more comfortable, they're not distracted by technology, and it allows that more personal communication, which technology kind of prohibits that you talked about. Sure. Um, and then lastly, is is to really be provocative. You know, like I, 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 I think about, um, you know, when you think provocative, it's not necessarily in a bad way, you know, trying to, to you know, have a, a bad response or a negative response, but um, to ask questions that kind of prompt a response. Um, that might seem maybe a little bit outlandish or a little you know, off the beaten track, but causes um, some reflection. So I think of one time I was um, driving with my best friend and we were coming back um, from camping together with a, some other guys and we were just driving and, you know, there's a lot of the conversation and I wanted to talk to him about, you know, well, how would we want to live our lives? So I asked him a question, you know, what do you want people to say about you when, when you die? You know, what, what do you want people to say at your eulogy? And he just looked at me like, what? And he was a, a taken aback by the question because it's very mm -hmm. provocative to say something like that. And we had this interesting conversation at the beginning. He's like, why did you ask me that question? I said, well, because when you have these conversations, when you ask that question, you realize, how do you want to live your life now? And so that question is provocative to promote that response. So that's another way to start those conversations. Well, Ben, you bring up an interesting topic because you said, you know, we were driving and talking. I'm amazed at the conversations that I can have with my children, even now that they're adults, but especially when they were in the home. The, the conversations that started in that exact type of setting in the car, it almost felt yeah. like not looking at them directly felt easier for them to talk about. You know, I know that, you know, for instance, when my husband and I go out, say, to dinner together, we sit across from each other. We don't sit next to each mm -hmm. other because we want to look right in each other's faces. That's the way we communicate. This generation, yeah. though, that almost seems a little aggressive to be, you know, straight on yeah. and looking straight at them and then to be provocative. But if, you, like you said, doing something and then entering the, the conversation, looking at something beautiful, going on a yeah. hike and, and being almost kind of side focused. Is that really a mm -hmm. great way, even though you know you want to have an important conversation, to be able to address it or enter into it, maybe kind of from the side door? Absolutely. And it, sometimes it's, it could be because you want to have that conversation. Sometimes an opportunity doesn't provide itself. But when you kind of take some of these strategies, at the bare minimum, you're continuing to build that relational authority, which is going to open up later doors. So, you know, if you go on a, a, a hikey trip and you don't have that conversation about whatever topic because, you know, you get distracted or whatever happens, you're still building that relationship, which is going to further open doors up in the future. So it's one of those things 
where it's good to develop those relationships in general, but then it does, as you said, provide those opportunities to talk about more meaningful topics. Well, if you are just tuning in, Ben Erickson is joining me today. We are having the final discussion on a series of articles he wrote for Catholic World Report on walking with Generation Z. This is the sixth interview I've had with Ben. We're kind of wrapping up this series about how to enter into this conversation. Ben, we've had a great time in every one of our interviews, and boy, we are just getting started on this one. I am coming up again to my break. Can you stay with me so we can continue our discussion in the next half hour? Absolutely. I am back with Ben Erickson. Ben is joining us today as we wrap up a series of interviews in Walking with Generation Z. Ben has been talking about the ways that we can open up that conversation and really have meaningful dialogue with them. Of course, we understand that experiencing beauty with them can help promote that sense of wonder, find the right environment, and we can even be a little bit forward and provocative in really getting to the heart of the discussion. Ben is joining us today, well, because we're going to now move into some do's and don'ts with this generation. Ben, thanks so much for staying with me. Thanks for having me. Well, all right, Ben, the the discussion kind of is is there. We're ready to talk with these Gen Zers. There are some things we want to keep in mind. And most importantly, the do's and especially the don'ts, because we want to make yeah. sure that we we create an environment that not only makes them feel safe to talk about, maybe makes them want to come back to this well. So let's mm-hmm. start with the don'ts first, because you say there are some things we do need to avoid. Yeah. So when having a conversation with really anybody, but especially young people um, and a, a, on a touchy topic or on a religious topic where you're trying to have you know, some sort of meaningful conversation, it's important to not focus on winning the argument, but losing the soul. And what I mean by that is, of course, we have to speak the truth, but we have to speak it with all charity. And, and sometimes our, our vigor or um, we, we speak out a little bit callously about a subject, we can win the argument. So if we're talking about maybe abortion, for an example, and we give really good arguments for showing why obviously a- abortion is a grave moral evil, but we don't realize that the person we're talking to actually had an abortion. And, and so we have to speak these things with all charity so that we ultimately win over the soul. Um, and, and it's not just about winning the argument because we may leave saying, oh, I own that argument, but in effect, we've actually distanced the soul because, you know, um, from Christ and, and from the truth because of how we've said it. So we have to make sure that we say things in, in charity. That's that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, kind of along the same path, is um, sometimes being overly defensive and overly frustrated. And I myself struggle with this, right, because I, I, I love the truth. I love the faith. And, you know, having a conversation with somebody and they're saying, you know, outlandish things and you get frustrated and you you start you know having a tone or speaking from that frustration of like, oh, why can't you just understand it's so obvious and you're saying such ridiculous things or whatever it is. But if you start having that come out, it quickly derails the conversation. And so trying to remain calm, re, you know, resisting that spiritual agitation that, you know, the, the devil wants us to go into um, and realizing, okay, like the truth is greater than me. Um, I need to reside with Christ. I reside with the truth. Even if at the end of the day, this person doesn't accept the truth, that's not something that I'm personally responsible for. So trying to um, be calm and, and, and loving and not overly defensive or frustrating, letting that kind of take over in those conversations. 
Well, Ben, are there questions that kind of help us keep in that non-defensive framework that allows us to kind of enter into this? I mean, my thinking is, and it's kind of been the way that I've transitioned from parenting minors in my home to being a parent of adults who are making their own decisions. Uh, Questions, things like, tell me how you think about this. And then coming back with, well, have you thought about this? I mean, is that, can, can you kind of, yeah. is there a framework that you can do to help me be, keep in that, that kind of guideline? Yeah. One of the questions is if you're finding yourself getting frustrated, obviously, you know, that's a perfect moment to say a quiet prayer to the Holy Spirit. But then, as you said, asking those, those questions. So if they're saying something crazy, it's not saying, do you hear yourself? Oh, that's crazy. It's, well, why, why do you think that? Why do you feel this way? What caused you, you know, get to the kind of the root of the problem. And sometimes, especially if you're having these conversations, you notice they're getting frustrated. That's a time to, you know, you know, kind of figure out the situation. Why are they feeling this way? Why are they getting agitated? Right. And then noticing, okay, can I ask these questions to kind of get to the root of the problem um, to figure out where they're coming from and obviously on some sensitive issues we should be careful about that because sometimes we're treading on very holy ground with these things right mm-hmm. um so if you see somebody you're talking about the abortion issue you realize they're getting frustrated you know like maybe you know you, you don't ask some of those really hard questions to them at that time because it could spiral but at the same time you know the questions we can be asking is um should be coming from that charity coming from that love and then trying to get them to understand the truth. This is one of the things that you you do's and don'ts. The do's is asking those insightful questions that prompt a response and showing them, as you said, an alternative view. So, you know, if you say, well, you know, I, I, they don't believe X. Well, what haven't you considered? Why haven't you considered, I mean, if somebody says, well, I believe suffering has no evil. Why does God allow that? Well, what if we say God does exist and he, you know, allows suffering for a greater good to come about, you know, like it's, you're not offering a proof per se, but you're showing a greater perspective and that kind of, you know, um, helps it be less of a tense conversation. <laughs> oh, for sure. And also one of the things that we can avoid is starting that with this authority of the church. Well, you know, because it just tends to shut down everything. Well, you're completely wrong because this is the authority of the church and this is what it says. Done conversation. Yeah. Well, not only have you hit them over the head with a Bible, you hit them with the, <laughs> the catechism of the Catholic church and they're like, all right, I'm ready to be done with this already. So so now that our listeners know those things that they should be avoiding when entering into this conversation, there are some things to keep in mind, things that mm. you can actually go to in order to focus on to keep this opening. You've got some great ones to share with our listeners. Tell us more. And one of the main ones is you talked about not immediately starting with scripture, the authority of the church. Obviously, that's where the fullness of truth resides. But for a lot of these Gen Z, they're not going to accept that as a, as a source of authority. They may be interested in learning about it. But if you just say, well, this is what the church says, this is what scripture says, they're not going to see it as a source of authority. So um, people like John Paul II encourage us to use reason-based arguments. So in his... Um, he t- talks about in Fides et Ratio that philosophical thought is often the only ground of understanding and dialogue for those who don't share the faith. He talks about the importance of philosophy in our time. And people get scared when you use the, the word philosophy because they, you know, think, you know, some crazy um, philosopher sitting in an armchair, uh, you kind of questioning everything. But really, philosophy is just trying to understand the divine using our reason to the best we can. And obviously, it's very limited. But there is a way where we can prove the, the tenets of the faith through reason. Um, and instead of referring to the authority of the church all the time. So for example, 
is if you're having a conversation, you're trying to show why pornography is wrong, for example, um, instead of saying, well, the church teaches that and it's in the catechism, like you said, whacking over the head of the catechism, sure. you can say, well, look, when you do that, you know, you're treating another person as an object and showing how that's a problem. And that's going to be much more convincing to Gen Z by using those rational arguments than just quoting a source of authority that many of them either doubt or, or don't accept entirely. So that's, that would be my first recommendation. And there's a lot of good resources. I named a couple um, on the article to, to look to, um, to kind of educate yourself on those rational reasons. Um, Cause that's, that's something I've had to do myself and still learning doing every day. So that's that's the, one of the main things. Ben, do you have a strategy that parents can use? We hear often now, especially I think it's pop culture, the idea of cancel culture, meaning that if they mm-hmm. don't agree with you, done, right? You, you mm-hmm. have to agree with me or we have nothing to say. We've heard it and they've probably learned it on college campuses where Catholic apologists or pro-life activists are invited onto campuses to just wild protest that tries to shut it down completely. So they may be coming at things from maybe that perspective, meaning that if you don't agree with me, well, we have nothing to discuss about anything at all. How do you, maybe if you're maybe coming at things from an opposite directions, how can you kind of show yourself to a Gen Z or that says it's, I'm okay. I'm not the enemy here. Yeah. Well, I think this goes back to the great question. It it goes back to the relational authority. They need to know you and they need to know that if you disagree with them, the reason for your disagreement is actually because you care for them. Right. So and you can point out, hey, you disagree with me. Right. Like but when you disagree with me, it's not because you hate me. But it's actually because you think this is true and you want to make sure that I know that that's true. But now if you look at from my perspective, I'm doing the same thing, right? Like I believe this is true. I, and I want to share that with you, not because I hate you or because I want you to be unhappy. It's actually because I want you to be happy because I want you to live a fulsome life. And so by establishing that relational authority before having these conversations, you can kind of refer back to that. And so when you start those conversations, you've got to start with kind of, you know, with that that uh, character, that that gravitas of who you are. Um, and then that helps kind of diffuse the uh, the emotional bomb that sometimes these conversations can, can bring up. Oh, fantastic. Well, Ben, just a really another great article. I'm so sorry to say that this is our last, but well, we look forward to perhaps seeing more of your articles on Catholic World Report. Thank you so much for all that you've put into this report and all the time you've given to Mater Day Radio in talking about this generation. Yes, thank you so much. God bless you and God bless uh, the radio. Uh, God bless you too. And again, that is Ben Erickson. So the entire series, six articles, Walking with Generation Z, you can find them on Catholic World Report. To make it easier, well, I'll just add a link on the podcast of this interview where you can get right to Catholic World Report and all of Ben's articles. You can find that link on the podcast of this interview, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app.